mysteries of Gravity Falls creep into the non-animated world. This is the Gravity Bros Podcast. I'm Alec Hester and I am joined by my brother Lucas, who I, I have on pretty good authority, is at least one half human from Torso Up. At least from Torso Up? Uh, um, let's see. So I guess it would be from Waist Up. Yeah, from Torso I'd say, Up is a weird thing to say. I'd say more from like... 60th hair follicle above my uh left ankle and uh below my left nipple sure okay well and there's a chance that the rest of you is human too but we don't need to talk about that side uh yeah 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 luke is today the gravity falls episode that we are discussing is called the deep end where mabel has a close encounter with the merman kind and you had mentioned something during our Halloween episode that there was a thing where networks would always get kind of commissioned to do a Halloween episode, a Christmas episode. And you said something about like a summer episode yep. that they would get commissioned to do. And yep. that didn't really resonate with me. I was like, oh, that's weird. I don't really remember what you're talking about. But is this episode the type of thing that you had in mind? Isn't it weird that all the ones that do that don't have any plot related stuff going on in them? Yeah, but I mean, I have to admit that that's been a little bit normal for the last several episodes that we've watched of the show, so it didn't necessarily stick out to me in that way. Yeah, but Disney commissioned, I mean, network TV shows commissioned a lot from cartoons at the time, and they don't as much anymore. Because, I mean, yeah, I'm not saying that, like, other shows didn't do that, too. I'm saying all the other shows did that. Regular show did that. Adventure Time had to do it for a while. Um, you know... <laughs> Uh, it was just something that I think a lot of shows that especially if they were in their first or second season, it was a requirement, you know? Sure. Well, I gotta say, the vibe landed for me. I did feel like this was a fun summer episode, and it gave me the summer vibes when we happened to be watching it in the summer. It is um, hot as heck where I am right now, too. I'm actually getting those scorching summer vibes. I went to the lake the other day, and it was heavenly. Or the river. Well, dude, you're in Oregon, they are in Oregon, and the mm -hmm. episode starts off in the cold open with the hottest day of summer at 110 degrees. Yeah. Uh, and there's literally, like, the fires starting, which, unfortunately, is also relatable from the current state of Oregon. Oh, there's, there's a specific joke in there. Yeah, the, the, when, when Grunkle walks out and they're like, beware of spontaneous fires, and you just hear a flame sound and Grunkle screaming, I'm like, yeah, that's pretty accurate, I'd say. That works out. Yeah. And, of course, I'm in Florida where it's just hot all the time, basically, year-round. So, hot days, <laughs> you know, I, I guess a really hot day would be, like, heat index of 112 or above, maybe. Um, but who's to say? Uh, <laughs> I've never even it's known to someone to pay attention to the heat index of their climate. <laughs> well, it's... Oftentimes, we've been hearing the phrase heat index more often than just the regular temperature, because I think that news stations have been using it lately to make it sound worse than it maybe is. Like, 95 oh, degrees oh, doesn't course. sound stark to people, but a heat index of 112 sounds horrible. So that's what we tend to hear more often. Is that... It, oh, I, I'm not surprised at all. That's such I'm a theorizing. Thing. I'm theorizing. And it doesn't mean that, uh, you no, know... you're so rough. The, the te temperatures are not going up. Because temperatures absolutely are going up, but... Um, yeah, but so are ratings know. because of it, you know? Well, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and maybe the ratings for this episode were good because it fell into that summer episode category that you were discussing. Um, hey, who knows, right? I, I feel like I feel like those were always the worst episodes of every show, but I mean, I don't know. So, yeah, and, and I said it gave me the summer vibes and it made me um, feel the things I was hoping to feel, but is it a good episode? Hmm. You I know, think there's a lot to like. I, there I do. Is. 
There is. I laughed a lot more than I remembered. And I did remember liking this episode. Like, my first thought was, oh, this is the commissioned episode. You know, this is another one that they had to do. I mean, technically, the Summerween one was one of those, too. And that, and that's a phenomenal episode as well. Um, yeah. You know, but the, the one... The, the reason this one was impressive to me is because we actually have like four plot lines going at the same time during this episode that actually that all accumulate at the end, despite it being non-plot related and, you know, like majorly kind of like a filler episode of the series, kind of. And that made it very difficult to take notes. I don't know if it was the same for you, but there's four things that are moving at different paces at different times. And you're just trying to be like, oh man, we're bouncing around so much here. Like, how do I even get a grasp of what's going on? But Dude. I did like it too. I liked that we had these, like, it gives us a little bit of something to talk about. And I don't know if maybe we should do something different this time where we just talk about each of the four plots as a whole. I did. That's how I took it. notes, actually. I wrote them out that way. I had my Is ABC. Okay. Yeah, I did. Well, I mean, I, I thought that it was... See, because you said that it was hard to take notes. This is like, this is exactly how my brain works, just bouncing around like this. So I was like, yeah, let's you know, set up my little set up my little categories and I'll go one by one. Um, nice. Okay, well, let's start off with before it branches out into the separate plots. Uh, yeah, and that idea. is simply that, you know, it's a super hot day. It's Mabel, Dipper, Grunkle, Stan, and Seuss. Um, going to the and pool. They're going to the pool because they hear on the radio that the pool is open as of today. Uh, and next thing we know, there we are. There's a pretty good joke. I, I forget, somebody's wearing a t-shirt maybe, and it's got a sun with sunglasses. And I think Dipper questions that. Like, why would a sun wear sunglasses? Oh, yeah. And Seuss is like, don't question it. Yeah. It's like, yeah. do you know the Hester Bros? We question everything. We will take that joke and we will point it out. We noticed. We noticed that sun. Dude, it's because that sun's future is so bright. Because they're going to grow up someday. <laughs> That's good. You know what? I actually did go ahead and throw in the sound effect that I promised the last time I mentioned it. Oh, uh, and yeah. Now that, I, now that I've talked about it, I probably am going to have to do it again. Yeah. Uh, but that was pretty good. Nice. Um, that was a double entendre, too. I'm proud of that joke. Totally. Uh, and then we get a couple of immediate plots here. First off, Mabel sees a guy in a pool that she is immediately attracted to. And She's we interested. get another great quote from Seuss. Seuss is like the king of support characters, for real. He is just like, you seem clearly enamored. Go to him. Dr. Seuss is back. And in all honesty, this the scene that followed where Mabel like ran across all the people was so adorable to me. And I'm like, because I know that feeling, that feeling of like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to like this person. I'm trying something. You know what I mean? And like, I just thought that was such that was so it was just I, I don't know. It, it gave me a good feeling. It was hella cute is what I wrote. It was. And it does kind of bring you back to your childhood a little bit. Okay. So we have that one. Then we have Dipper sees Wendy as the lifeguard. Yes, Lucas, it is a Dipper-Wendy storyline that's part of this episode. Yes, I believe um, cringe. Cringe is the word that I wrote many times in next to that, I believe. <laughs> sure. Uh, cringe because, you know, Dipper starts acting weird. And for the first time, Wendy actually gives a look like, okay, I know what's going on here. And I feel like that's the first acknowledgement that we've had that maybe Wendy is not just completely oblivious to the fact that 
you know, Dipper has a crush. Now, don't get me wrong. It doesn't stop her. She still proceeds and gives him all the like, hope in the world. But Yeah, let's just talk about how she backtracks that in 50,000 different ways throughout the whole episode then. <laughs> if anything, right, it I... makes it worse. If anything, she shouldn't have that moment where she's kind of aware. Because if anything, it's like, oh, now you also know. So now you're just a terrible person. Right, because Dipper offers to be a lifeguard, and she's like, oh yeah, cool, that'll be fun, we could do it all summer together. Like, yeah. no chill whatsoever. Yeah, let me just get you to, like, literally have you chase me all summer with me completely knowing what's going on with no regard for your emotional stability. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was gonna say, like, as a character, I really kind of love Wendy. I do a little bit too, actually. I hate to say that. It is pretty yeah. funny. It is funny to have a character that is so like that, to be honest. Because the funny thing is I don't hate Wendy. I don't hate any characters involved. I just don't like the dynamic. I just don't like the cringe dipper lusting after Wendy. I think that's weird. But Wendy as a character is kind of awesome outside of, you know, me not liking that. Sure. Well, and, you know, I, to, to set up the third very small plot here... You know, they are kind of like, I guess, wreaking havoc. Not wreaking havoc, but uh, they are not taking their job responsibility seriously. And they play a little prank on Seuss, who is very fixated with the inflatable ducks. Well, so the third plot is Seuss. They don't give this much time to this, but it's... it's... <laughs> okay, so they... <laughs> I'm just going to have to explain <laughs> this whole part now. So yep. <laughs> with, with a little megaphone, they hide behind a thing when Seuss is putting on one of those rubber ducky floaty things. And they go, Seuss, I'm alive, Seuss. Seuss is like, the talking ducks, I always knew you were alive or something like that. And Seuss, our, my people need your help, Seuss. He's like, the duck floaty rebellion is beginning. Uh, so that's his plot line as he's assisting with the duck rebellion. Um <laughs> It's incredible. Like, what a random thing for them to throw in there. And it's definitely the shortest of the plots that we get. But honestly, dude, the last episode, Bottomless Pit, we got four storylines, yeah, right? One of which was shorter than the others. And I gotta say, I think between the two, I prefer something like this, where it is all intertwined within the exact same thing, personally. Ooh, okay. If we're doing a 1v1, I think I might actually like the falling episode better, actually. Wow. Okay. Because I think, because it, it's because it's different. I like, I like having an episode that's able to kind of take a different narrative formula, and it allows them to explore things in a way that they wouldn't be able to in a regular episode. And this still follows a very regular episode narrative still you know yeah even though there are four plot lines for the fourth you forgot to mention being gideon taking grunkle stan's chair <laughs> you know when you say it like that it makes it sound extremely dull but it's actually hysterical it's it's that is in fact the well i shouldn't say him take well that is the beginning is him taking it and then it's grunkle trying to find out a way to get it back and it's, it is pretty funny. It is a very good plot. I mean, obviously, like, everything in this show is always funny at least. You know, bare minimum. Even the stuff when I say, like, Wendy and whatever is cringe, it's still actually funny. You know, I'm almost just making fun of how I... I'm more making a joke about, like, purporting my emotion than I am how I actually feel about the show. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. Well, it's funny, though, because... The uh, simplicity of it is where the comedy is. You know, Stan just finds what he considers to be the perfect lawn chair. There's plenty of other lawn chairs, but nah, this is the number one, um, which very much in character for Grunkle Stan. And, you know, Gideon taking it from him at the last second just makes him so angry to where, like, he picks up this child. And, you know, Felipe mentioned the dropkick award. It looks like he's about ready to do it oh, before he yeah. gets pulled into pool jail. He was about to dropkick him too, 100%. 
And it's funny, they, they say two hours for roughhousing. You know, I think, like, potential child abuse is also a, a phrase that you could have used. Other well, than also the fact but... that Wendy's the person who got him in trouble because she's working the lifeguard duty. And was like, eh, I don't really have to put you in jail, but I'm going to, just for funsies. That was also terrible, but kind of funny. <laughs> Sure. You know, I originally said, oh, let's try to do each of these storylines separately, but I don't think that's going to be possible. Um, I'm okay jumping around a little bit here, but I wanted to talk about the Wendy Dipper one first, actually. Um, Because there is this amazing character who enters the picture named Mr. Poolcheck. Oh, yeah, dude. You know, he's the one that officially hires Dipper. I had forgotten that we hadn't... I thought that this episode was earlier in the show because it felt like more of an early episode to me. So when I saw it on the roster, I was like, wow, we haven't watched this already? Because we saw Poolcheck chasing Dipper in that bar scene. And I made a reference to it having thought that we've watched this already. Okay, I, I thought about that and I was like... Lucas is bringing up a character that we haven't met yet, but I'm going to let him roll with it anyway. Yeah, I forgot that we hadn't seen it. That means that the first time that we were introduced to that character was when he was chasing Dipper down the street out of a bar. And now he's working for him. Yeah! (laughs) Just like that. Also, this man is very scary and intimidating and has, like, a massive obsession with the pool. You know, he's one of those people, his career is his life, but it's for something so small as, like, a community pool, and I just love that. Oh, dude, he's like an army guy. That's the whole thing. He's like, uh, you know, like an army general, but about the pool, you know? And the thing is, the thing, I actually really like this character because, like, he actually hit me on a couple different emotional notes. Whoa! I'm gonna just ask you to go straight into that. Tell me. Well, dude, like, do you remember when, first of all, clearly he, he takes the pool thing seriously. Like, it's a joke, but, like... You, you don't, like, there's some, it's almost hard to explain, but, like, peop, that people really do this. That's how people are about their lives. Regard, like, it seems silly because to us it's like, ha it's a pool, but, like, everyone has their own pool. You know what I mean? Everyone has their theoretical Ooh. pool that they get that obsessed about. And even though we don't understand his thing, everybody actually does feel that way about something. I mean, it's exaggerated, and he's clearly got some issues and is a little emotionally unstable, as Dipper says, which is one of the funniest quotes in the episode um because he is unstable that's also true but um there's something about there's there's also like a sweetness to him and a genuine sense of i want to have camaraderie with people around this because remember uh when dipper does like one thing wrong and he's about to try to like get away with it and pool check like runs up behind him he goes dipper and he turns around he's have a good night son close out the pool yeah well (laughs) and it was it was Actually, a really well delivered line, and it was really sweet. And I was like, "Oh, pool check. He really cares." You know what I mean? He sort of does. I think it was kind of adorable that you know he immediately trusted and liked Dipper because he had SPF 100 sunscreen. He yeah, clearly yeah. wants to trust the kid. Like he well, wants to have a little mentee to be, you know, to learn the ropes. And I, you know, I think he yeah, did, Dipper just him greatly. And that's the thing. I've met people like that for real. And and when you actually like sign up for their thing and get passionate with them, they are really cool. <laughs> You're so right. Wow, geez. I love that you brought that there. Uh, <laughs> I didn't think about it enough, but I 100% agree. There's so many people that have these passionate hobbies that seem silly and, you know, us included. Um, and yeah. this is a fun take on it that is weirdly relatable when you really unpack it. Yeah. 
Well, and I'm even thinking about certain people that maybe also had mental illness in addition to a passion. And that's still being cool that, that is being explored in a way. I mean, granted, it's kind of being played for laughs. But again, like, I, I actually get emotional complexity out of the character. Like, it's not just a joke. Because if it was, he'd just be a one note. You know, we'd get the same emotion from him the whole episode. Dang. Um, well, another <laughs> fact about him is that he lost his hand to a pool, a pool filter. Which is also really intense. Yeah, well, and it's like, see, you see this, Dipper? When you don't take this seriously, this is the kind of thing that can happen. You know, I had a maintenance worker tell me something like that once in a very similar way that I can't get into. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna... Oh, man, I want to hear about that so bad. Off screen. You, um, you really, you really can't, you can't say it? It's a bad I, one? I can... I, basically, what you need to know is that, you know, I, no, I used you know, to work no names, at a roller... No, no names, no specifics. Nothing like that. I worked at a roller coaster, and in the morning, you have to walk around the track that are, like, the roller coaster evacuation areas to check it for safety and things like that. And I got real good at it, where I was just being a little bit quick on the track, and the maintenance worker had a very good reason to, like, lay the hammer down and be like, you got to stop and slow down. Um, so that's where the... <laughs> oh, so you it, got in trouble because he back. said your hand was going to get cut off? It, sim- it gave me those kind of vibes. Well, <laughs> you know... Like how Poolcheck was saying that to Dipper is like, this is what happens when you don't take this seriously. You think it's a joke? Well, it's not. And Yo, I was guys, like, I've been there. Alec could have been the Poolcheck at Space Mountain. <laughs> Primeval Whirl. That roller coaster is <laughs> no longer playing. around. I, I, I didn't actually mean to assign a realist. I realized that that actually could have been a realistic place that you worked. I was just making uh, that, a joke. That maintenance guy reminded me a little bit of Poolcheck too. So there was definitely some... Uh, <laughs> Some flashbacks happening to me for a second. Yeah, I love hearing um, Disney World stories. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, anyway, he gives Dipper a whistle and hugs him. And, you know? Yeah. And like you said, yeah. you know, he, he says, welcome to the deep end, son. Um, which I wrote as S-U-N because I clearly wasn't paying attention. Uh, <laughs> but the reason that I wanted to um, sort of start here is because this is sort of the mechanism in which Stan ends up in jail um, yeah, and we get an amazing jail sequence where there's one kid with like shaved hair. He's is it designed to look like a criminal. I know you want to say it, so please. <laughs> there's a kid. <laughs> I'm sorry. This made me laugh. I watched this not too long ago, and and I still think that this is one of the funniest jokes in literally all of Gravity Falls. <laughs> the kid, there's a kid in solitary confinement. And there's like a little jail that's like half underwater that like literally his hands are in bars like beneath the sidewalk of the pool. And we <laughs> see this kid multiple times here. He goes, and there's like a, a like a moment of silence that's perfectly comedically timed. He just goes, the nights are the worst. It's And A, it's like, okay, haha, he's there overnight. There's no way he's really overnight. He's there overnight. We see him there multiple times. And in the end credit sequence, I'm just blowing this. We see he's there through multiple seasons changing. Someone just left this kid in solitary confinement underneath the pool. And they delivered so hard on that messed up joke. And I love it. Yeah, it's so dark. They went there. And there's the sad music playing through as the seasons pass. And it's like, jeez. And, and even... I have to spoil another part of this because, okay, so the, the whole merman, the whole A plot is like Mabel finds the merman, they fall in love, she tries to get him out of the pool. Okay, sorry to blow the whole thing. It's not that complicated at the end of the thing. 
the, when she's getting him out, the kid in the pool is like, you go, Mabel and Mermando. Not all of us can be that lucky. Yeah, I know, I'm glad. This kid deserved all the attention to just go through his <laughs> jokes one at a time, so I'm Dude, in. His journey needed to be documented in a uh, single narrative form. That that's uh, That's a fact. And if there isn't already enough of a kid being treated horribly at this pool, uh, Stan, when he's out of jail, tries to use his watch reflection to burn Gideon. And and not just like burn him like normal, but with malicious intent. He just says, yes, burn the child. (laughs) That's a great line, too. Let's be honest. It's like, this whole episode, is that just, just me? it went really hard. It did. <laughs> well, that's what I thought was so funny about this, because I remembered this was, like, one of the commissioned episodes, and then I thought, oh, but they didn't, like, hold back on their writing because of that. You know what I mean? Because the thing is, I think some some creators, if I was a creator, and I was forced by a network to write something like this, can you imagine how easy it would be to just feel like, okay, I'm just going to write something easy so that I can get it done and focus on the rest of my show? You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yes. Like it'd be so tempting to do that because you're like, it's the thing that you, it's like, this is the work that I need to do so that I can do my passion project. You know, like I could so, but it's cool that they didn't do that, that they did still put time into making this fun, you know, in, in a cool episode with interesting stuff going on amidst all of it. Definitely. Uh, yeah, a little bit more of the interesting stuff. Um, I think the Dipper Wendy storyline, the part of it that it is interesting to me is, you know, they start screwing around because Dipper's real intention to getting this job is to hang with Wendy, and Wendy's general intention is just to not do her job. So, yep. I, I kind of think there is a bit of a, a fascinating conflict here where Dipper wants to spend time with Wendy, but there's a part of him, you know, maybe it's that he doesn't want to get in trouble, but maybe a part of them that still has that responsibility in him. He's like, well, I do also have a job to do, and I want to do it responsibly. And he does yeah. actually take that seriously. Yeah, no, I, and and I, I've seen that. I've I don't know how many other people have been in that real conflict, but that's been a thing for me too. Not in like a weird I'm lusting after someone I shouldn't be situation because that's creepy. Um, but in a situation of like I'm hanging out with a group of friends who are maybe doing some nefarious things that I should maybe not be involved in, and I have that little sense of like like I want to do this because I do think it's fun and maybe generally harmless, but I also don't want somebody to get mad at me for it you know, or I don't want to disappoint someone for it. You know what I mean? Not because I genuinely think anything bad is happening as a result of my issues, but just because I know someone might be mad and I just don't like making someone feel, you know what I mean? Sometimes it's just not worth it just to not piss someone off. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I also feel like a personal feeling. I don't like to make people feel that way. You know, I, I want to be somebody who brings more like love and happiness into their life and not somebody who ends up uh, making it harder for them, so. Eh, depends. Sometimes they make it harder. <laughs> Lucas Sometimes. looked at me like, all right, we're different people. <laughs> if they're making it harder for... I mean, that's the thing. Like, if someone's getting bent out of shape for something that I'm doing and it's none of their business, like, I don't care. Screw them. You know what I mean? Like, they're doing that to themselves. I'm not going to stop... I'm not going to over-regulate my life for the conveniences and sensitivities of other people. You know what I mean? I guess so, but that's not really the case here. I mean, pool check is trying to run this pool and keep people safe ultimately um no i'm not talking about that i'm talking about like friends that are that are like you know trying to pressure you into not pressure you but like there's something funny i I, okay you are not the kind of person who does things that you're not supposed to do so you clearly are not relating to me in this 
That's so true. <laughs> that is the disconnect we're having here. You're like, what do you mean? Why you just you just do the nice thing every time? Like, get out of here. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that I'm, I'm able to relate to your experiences. <laughs> um, let's get to Mermando, okay? I, I want to talk about uh, the merman. Do they officially use the phrase merman, is, or is that the uh, phrase merperson? I, I would use merperson personally. Uh, okay. I, I don't know I'll, what they I'll... used. I'm just going to use merperson. <laughs> cool. Okay, yeah. The merperson named Mermando. Um, so, like Lucas said, Mabel has gone over and talked to this guy in the pool who um, she's immediately interested in. And it's actually really funny the way that she goes about it. Because she goes underwater, you know, like some kind of creepy sea serpent or something, and just pops up creepily. Um, creepily. And- <laughs> How long have you been down there? Yeah, that's right. He says that. (laughs) And, uh, you know, it's another one of those where she's like, "Uh, you don't need to know that or something similar. Uh, Yeah. And she's trying so hard to be casual despite that. But, you know, she's in her truest Mabel self being very forward. And he's kind of feeling it. He's like, oh, Mabel, you're so forward. forward. We also need to point out that Mermando has like, a 30-year-old sexy Spanish voice. Yeah, and, well, and which Mabel calls out directly, and apparently uh, he says something like, oh yes, uh, our voices change when we're three. Yeah, but Merman's, mer, mer, mer people's voices mature when they are three years old. Very cool. It definitely is. Uh, you know, and Mabel tries different things to try to win this attention, but she straight up just asks him, hey, let's try off and go to the snack bar. Honestly, I feel like pretty casual and nice. Yeah. I actually really, I gotta take a minute to say, I really like how Mabel actually was doing this, because sometimes she's kind of weird. But you know what, I thought she was actually kind of just nice, like, granted, was it, like, a little forward? Yeah, it was a little forward, but that's a style. I don't think that it was aggressive, do you? No, and I think it was really charming. I thought it was Uh, charming, too. I thought it was a very honest way of going about it. And... The, the best part, in true Gravity Falls fashion, taking something from, like, 0 to 100 real fast, uh, Fernando has to say no. And, and he can't just say no, he says, but it's actually because I have a terrible secret. Dun-dun-dun. Spanish yeah. guitar sound. That wasn't apparent. Yeah, that's right, with extra music effects and everything. Yeah. Um, he also has a guitar that is apparently in tune, despite being underwater 90% of the time. <laughs> Sure. Well, and that does not dissuade her, though, because she brings him a sandwich from underwater, which is, you know, a choice. Yeah. Uh, works out for him, I think. I think so. Anyway, eventually finds out that he is, in fact, a merperson. I think Da-da-da-da. he does use the phrase merman, but, you know. Uh, and, of course, Mabel is like, thank goodness, I thought you were going to say you had a girlfriend. Also, very hilarious Mabel moment. Well, and I mean, to be fair, for her life experience, that is a very real thing. Like, she would care more about that, yeah. Yeah, like, that. that is more of a problem. Like, she's like, I don't know, you're not a bunch of gnomes. You're still, like, a single guy. That's that's pretty good, right? You're so you know? right. You're going right back to the gnome thing from episode you know? one. Like, she's, yeah, this is a step up. She's not, it's, it's not Gideon, gnomes, or a zombie. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess... Out of all those things, then this is a pretty awesome scenario that she's found herself in. There are other weird ones uh, in the future that we could say, too, that, that are also worse. Mermando is actually, like, if there's any relationship that is actually shipworthy in this whole series, it could be this one. You might be right. That might be right? something to track or think about going forward. Yeah. Um, 
So she gets a background from him uh, that how he ended up in this pool is that he was swimming with his dolphin friends, got captured by fishermen. He escaped, but he wasn't able to find his way home. Next thing he knew, he fell down a series of things that landed him in this very pool. Um, it's it's Finding Mermando. Oh, wait. Finding Mermando? Is that like a title of something? Finding Nemo? Finding Mermando? Oh, yes! Okay, I, I can tell that you made a joke, and I'm sorry that I had to ask you to explain. <laughs> no, um, I, you know, it's more of a, it's closer to the plotline of Finding Dory, in all honesty. That's actually kind of true. Yeah. Um, it works either way. It works, it works. Uh, but anyway, he sort of talks about how he misses his family, and, you know, we end up actually cutting to nighttime where Mabel comes to visit him. And I feel like this is not the best choice for Mabel. She brings like a fan, a family portrait. And I guess she's trying to share a piece of herself with him and be like, oh, here's my family doing things that we love to do. And obviously this is upsetting for him because literally all he has talked about so far is how much he misses his family and being um, in the ocean. So it doesn't yeah. go well. And then also she goes, this is all of us doing leg-based things. This is us dancing. This is us running. This is us kickboxing. Oh, gosh, you're so right. So also ableist. Sorry, Mabel. You're, uh, it was pretty Mabelist, wasn't it? Oh, okay. That was, uh, gosh, stop making me pull sound effects out. Stop. <laughs> oh, that was too good of a joke to pass by. Uh, no, but in all honesty, Mabel was pretty bad, and Mermando got very upset and sad, and they had to plan uh, a plot to get him out of the pool to try to go home, obviously. Um, yeah, there is kind of a hilarious moment where he talks about how he's tried to escape before, but it hasn't worked. Uh, and there's an on-screen gag of him getting attacked by, again, a woodpecker, uh, yeah. which just keep resurfacing in this world. Uh, and then, apparently, by wolves off-screen. Oh, yeah, that was so funny. You see a whole, like, sequence of him falling and, like, failing to get out and then getting attacked by a woodpecker and, like, staying next to the pool in the dry, or, I guess, moonlight. And then it the flashback ends and he goes, and then the wolves came. That's it. <laughs> I like no, that. It's great. And something I just thought about. Seuss has a moment where he introduces Mabel to Mermando in the very beginning, remember? And he says something along the lines of, oh yeah, you know, this guy, he just hangs out at the pool and uh, he's here all the time. Yeah. The pool opened today. Is that a continuity error? He said rumor is. So, so. Wow, he heard a rumor really fast, which sounds like a rumor that would spread across multiple days. I don't know. I don't know, I guess... man. If, if somebody was working at that pool and they saw a merman living in there for... A while. I feel like that would spread some rumors. A couple hours in. I mean, it's not like the pool didn't exist before that day. Okay, but it's not open, so theoretically there should not be a person in it. See, you think there aren't maintenance people that go? You think there wasn't a summer before that? It's not like it's never been open before. But based on the montage, it feels as though he has not been here the whole time, and it still seems odd to me that he would have stayed there over this long gap and nobody would have stopped it whatsoever. In fact, well, I, I guess that... it's even weird that that happens overnight. I mean, it's pretty weird that a merman is in a pool. Sure, but wait, I'm really thinking about this now. <laughs> There's so many... When... Okay, get this. So in Disneyland, when Tom uh -huh. Sawyer's Island closes for the day, or Disney World, yeah. um, 
they have people to like scope out the entire island and make sure that it's empty by the end of the day, right? Sure. They obviously do that for pools. Before a lifeguard leaves, they're like, hey, you got to leave now. Except for the kid in solitary. Which is another problem. You're right. Actually, this is an irresponsibly run establishment. Yeah, I, I they need think to be you're making... immediately. Yeah, like Disney World and Pool Check definitely seem like they run the same level of tight ship, for sure. But Pool Check takes it so seriously. You'd think that he'd be like the number one person on the safety committee to make sure that these things are being addressed properly. Bruh, he hired Dipper and Wendy. Uh, it doesn't mean he's a good decision maker. All right, now I see what you're saying. I'm overthinking it. Dude, Pulchek's emotionally unstable. He's passionate. That doesn't mean he's good at his job. Yeah, I'm just realizing, like, what a criminal organization is being run here in this pool. Like, I, I, the more I think about it, I'm like, this is a big problem. Well, I mean, all of Gravity Falls kind of has a uh, just-look-the-other-way perspective, you know? Yeah, and it's a cartoon, and that's what makes it fun, sometimes. Well, but I think they write that in, too. Like, they write in... Like, do you, what do you think Poolcheck's react... Can you imagine Poolcheck interacting with Mermando on screen? Oh, I really wish we'd gotten it. <laughs> what in the world would that even look like? Like, what does Mermando say to Poolcheck? I have no idea what that would look... I don't even have a thought! Like, that's just crazy to me. I mean, Poolcheck would be like, Hey, it's time for the pool to close. Dude, Poolcheck would, like, like kill him and roast him on a barbecue or something. If he found out that he was a merman? Just because he's in the pool at night. Poolcheck is unbalanced. Oh my goodness. Just because he would have done that to a regular person. Also interesting, he sends Dipper to be the night security as opposed to doing it himself. So we're just putting a lot of trust in a 12-year-old. Which is also majorly against labor laws. A, hiring a 12-year-old. B... Hiring a 12-year-old to work a night shift alone. <laughs> sure, yeah. Okay, so there is a very brief um, moment where we go from night back to daytime. Uh, and I guess Dipper gets in trouble because he captures the cops and life preservers. And they have a really cute moment. They do. Um, which is actually the most on-the-nose version of them displaying their affectionate uh, nature toward each other. That we've seen um, so far. Not that we've the series, seen so far, far, though. And after the censorship emails that we read last week, I'm actually a little bit surprised that this made it in compared to some of the stuff that was being talked about. Yeah, me too, actually. I, I, I'm also a little surprised. I, I remember they, get a, they do a little bit more in season two, which I imagine was after some work was put in. But yeah, I'm a little surprised. I don't know. I guess it was in a... I think from Disney's perspective, I should say, it was non-discreet enough that it would fly with their uh, their ramifications at the time, I guess. I guess so. I wonder if that was the moment that they were talking about in the email that we read, where he puts his arm around, or Blubs puts his arm around Durlin. Because that might have happened in that scene. No, because their arms were stuck in the thing. Well, they are after the, like, oh, you're right. You're Okay, no, you're right. So it would not be the same. Good call. But anyway... Now they're trapped, and we think that Poolcheck is mad about that, but it turns out he's mad that there is a criminal uh, on the loose, and I guess somebody broke into the supply cabinet to destroy the only pool skimmer, and that is not good. You know what I just realized? What? I still don't... Who did that? I think it might have been Seuss. Because that's what I was thinking, too, because we never actually found out. Because everyone ended up at the pool that night, so theoretically, Wendy, Grunkle, and Seuss all were theoretical, like, candidates. 
Well, they were. We don't have any proof about who showed up that night except for Mabel, to be fair. Um, Because it's the next night where we see Grunkle Stan, Seuss, and Dipper be there as well. Uh, But, you know, there's definitely a world where all of them could have been there the previous night, and we don't know. Wait a minute. We don't know who broke the thing. The mystery's still out there. Well, my question is, what is a pool skimmer? Because that might give us a clue as to who may have been responsible for that. It's the thing they use to clean the pool. It's like the net. Why would that be a thing? See, again, we already know that Seuss was breaking in there. Spoiler alert. The rest of Seuss's plot is that he is breaking in so that he can um, take these inflatable ducks and save their lives by getting them out of the pool area. Yeah. Uh, And I would assume... Because he is the one who is known to be in the security closet or the pool closet, uh, that he's got to have like easily the highest odds of having been the person responsible. But why wouldn't he have just let them all go if he was there that first time? Um, I mean, who knows how Seuss works? I think That's that true. it might help give context to start to get into what happens the next night and these characters' different motivations and what they are trying to do. Do you agree? If the pool skimmer was broken... Maybe it was because something fell in the pool that they were trying to get out. Yeah, I mean, it could be that Dipper broke it, or Wendy broke it, possibly. Wendy's on the table here, too, right? I thought Wendy might have broken it. (laughs) And then she just put it away and didn't say anything and thought that, I'm just going to be quiet about this. Yeah, Uh, because she's the one who cleans the pool, right? Isn't that that her her job? Yeah, but this is Poolcheck's motivation for saying, Dipper, you need to be the security guard overnight. He have has a reason to believe it es- happened at night. Have we not established that Poolcheck is not a reliable source of information? <laughs> I feel like Poolcheck runs his own government at this pool. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> this pool, this pool is, is seceded from the United States. It's its own sovereign nation. If he's Willy Wonka, this is like his chocolate factory. Yeah, And exactly. he's just an eccentric dude sitting there uh, trying to manage it the best way that he can, but we don't know if he's seeing some wild stuff on the side. You know, we're not getting the whole picture of pool check. Yeah. Are you there? Whoever is following me is closing in. I haven't been able to decipher anything else. Stay vigilant. I'll broadcast again as soon as I... All right, so now we get the dramatic night, not the quick one where Mabel makes her um, prospective boyfriend sad. Uh, No, this is the one where there is action happening. There's different plots that are interweaving within each other, and I really love it, actually. I think that this is fun the way that they do this. Yeah, Um, it has a lot of energy. It's got a lot of really awesome energy as it coalesces to the end. It was very well done. That's right. So, number one, we've discussed Dipper is there to keep watch. Number two... Mabel has a plan to break out Mermondo. But before Mabel gets there, Stan breaks in unexpectedly to the viewer. We're not expecting that to be the thing that happens. Uh, He's got wire cutters. um, And we don't really know what his motivation is, but Dipper starts chasing him. Uh, His motivation is just that he wants to sit in the lawn chair early before Gideon arrives. Yeah. And also, once he gets in the chair, he says, Now I just gotta wait 10 hours. This was a great plan. Like, why didn't he just show up, like, not even remotely that far in advance? Like, why didn't he just... That's a really good point. Why didn't he just come, like, an hour before the pool opened? Like, that wouldn't... Would that not have been enough? Gideon clearly did not, like... Wasn't... It's not like he and Gideon were both trying to get there early or anything. He just overshot, like, way far. Sure. And, frankly, this is a very easy plot to close out. Uh, 
the next morning eventually comes, and Grunkle Stan is now stuck inside the chair because it turns out that Gideon had planned for this and added glue to it, which means Gideon is actually another suspect. Oh, Gideon you're was there right. overnight too. You're right. Gideon the night before could have actually done no, because if Gideon had glued it the night before, it would have been glued that day when he sat on it. Oh, okay, that's a good point. So Unless, Gideon would have only been there for night two. Well, when would he have had time to glue it then? I mean, I guess he could have done it right as he left, maybe. Yeah, right as he got out. I could see. But I think that we can't rule out the fact that Gideon was another person who was there overnight. An entire whole mysterious thing going on there. Jeez, it's like Clue. Yeah, I, I, I can't believe that... Yeah, oh, I can't believe that I never thought about... <laughs> fact that we don't really know what if it was pull check pull check just had like a moment <laughs> and broke it he just doesn't fun. remember yeah there are so many suspects on the table in this uh this caper uh discord people please tell us who you think was responsible for the destruction of the pool skimmer uh this is so interesting to me i feel like whoever it was it was somebody who accidentally like dropped something in the pool and then broke it trying to get it out and they might have dropped some dropped something heavy do you know what's probably the reality is that mabel limes we missed a line somewhere that totally answered this question and now we have spent 15 to 20 minutes of our podcast talking about it oh my god we're just making a fool of ourselves what if there was like a deleted scene where mabel tried to use that to get mermando out of the pool (laughs) oh okay that's interesting too because she was there she wanted to break him out right because she found out that he was a merman Maybe there I'm is. I'm so afraid. I'm so afraid that we sound like fools right now. Uh, sorry, say your thing again. No, that makes so much sense. Maybe there's like a deleted scene where she actually tried to use the pool net to get Mermando out. I agree that it makes sense. I'm just worried that this question somehow got answered and both of us missed it on our viewing and we're just going to look like idiots here. Oh, that'd be um, so I'm keeping funny. it in no matter what because I'm fascinated by the discussion. I didn't even think about that. There probably is like a scene somewhere where like we saw someone break it but I don't remember that, so... Maybe, I mean, I hope there's not. I hope that we are on to some kind of a Gravity Falls mystery here that has yet to be answered. I'm Um, I'm pretty sure we're right. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I don't know. You always feel that way. (laughs) Sometimes we're not. I do definitely do not always feel that way. Yeah, I guess so. All right, so anyway, so uh, Dipper is chasing Stan before uh, he ends up being distracted by the more pressing problem, and that is that Mabel has arrived just behind Stan to break out Miranda. Uh You know, Dipper asks the question, is anyone not breaking into the pool tonight? And Seuss is there too. He drops in, and Dipper's like, Seuss, like, Seuss, go not? home. He literally yeah. says, go home, Seuss. And he goes, I got it. Yeah, yeah. And he tries to climb up the fence, but he can't. And that's basically uh, all the Seuss plot. We talked about how he finishes by getting rid of the uh, inflatable ducks at the next day. So, yeah, um, Seuss, Seuss plot's down. Uh, Stan Grunkle, plot is down. Stan plot is down. Um, believe it or not, uh, Dipper doesn't ever end up dating uh, Wendy. So can we not talk about that anymore? Uh, um, <laughs> I think that, yeah, that's probably safe to say. So the <laughs> real thing here is Dipper... With an awesome chase scene, I think, uh, trying to stop Mabel from leaving the facility with a golf cart, I believe, probably a golf yeah. cart, that has yeah. a tank of water in the back. Now, at this point, Dipper still does not know about Mondo. Um, What do you think of the decision by Mabel to not just tell him straight up? 
Uh, I think it's narrative convenience, and it doesn't make sense for any other reason. <laughs> Maybe. I think that there is a world where it makes sense in Mabel's head, because Dipper takes this job so seriously that it might be smarter to just get out of there as quick as she can and not explain, rather than give Dipper the chance to uh, do his job anyway, because they'll just fight about it. The thing that that doesn't add up is you're right if 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 it if it was a matter of like timing and her explaining it to him would m- matter for time that'd be one thing they live together after they went they went home after the pool and had like a whole afternoon to eat dinner and hang out and she still didn't say anything or ask for help that's th- that that's nothing in her character that makes sense for that she would all there's like if there if there has to be a better the thing is there's no reason given it's clearly for narrative hmm. convenience do keep in mind like there's a lot of plot going on in this episode so i'm not like gonna be like oh the writers were so lazy in this one or anything like that you know but because you know, again this was a commissioned probably prompt for an episode in the first place so like for the what fact it's that, worth I, yeah sorry. it's already good for what it's worth but yeah, no, I, I'm like 99% sure there's no way to justify that except for narrative convenience. I was going to say, I weirdly love the plot holes in this episode. Uh, I Because, oh, wow. you know, ultimately it is Gravity Falls. It's a cartoon and I it doesn't bother me when these things happen. But you made a point earlier where, but Gravity Falls is a show that remembers these things. They are self-referential. They know what they're doing and they're actually pretty tight with the storytelling. So it sticks out when something feels amiss. Um, it does. But for something like this that's firing on all cylinders and there's all these things, um, this was just, again, it was a, a fun summer episode. And Oh, dude, and, and the solitary confinement joke seriously made me laugh. So I laughed really hard throughout this whole episode. I wrote a lot of quotes down. Oh, we didn't get to all of them. I think we got most of them, but there were a lot of quotes that I thought were really funny. Sure. Oh, and you know what I just realized? So in this chase scene with water balloons being thrown, um, the co- they run by the cops. And it's Blubs. He says, I think someone just sped by. And Durlin says, probably just a dream. And he says, every day with you is a dream. Oh, so I forgot about that one. I actually think that was the moment that I remembered. It was not when they were in the inner tubes. Oh, and did he? He maybe did put his arm around him then. Maybe. So this could be the scene from the Alex Hirsch emails where they tried oh. to stop this scene from happening. In which every case they would have won out. Is a dream. That's so sweet. That's so cute. Yeah, I love, I love affection there. Man, see, that's the thing. This is this is why people in our generation are so messed up, man. Because we were raised with shows like freaking Ren and Stimpy, where everyone just assaulted each other and was evil constantly and sugar high and terrible people. And now we have shows that are showing emotional complexity and like helping people grow and like, you know, I, I'm I'm like almost mad at the shows that I had when I was like young because they were so much more inane compared to what kids are growing up with now. And I love that. One I'm day so I would love happy one day that. I would love to do an episode of something just about like generation gaps in animation and what that means. Cause I think there's a lot of really interesting talk to be had there. Oh dude, you can't I can't tell you how many people who are like probably over the age of like 35, 40 that straight up are like, I just don't I can't watch cartoons like ever. That's like kids show yeah. stuff. Like, and, and it's, yeah. like, actually, like, such a mental block in their head that show, like, an animated show could be as good, if not better, than a live action show that they literally just can't watch it or enjoy it. And, like, they actually can't. Like, they will watch something that is objectively phenomenal and they won't be able to get into it. It's, like, a biological thing almost. It's amazing. It's, like, a mental block where they can't put themselves in the headspace to be able to accept it. Um yeah. Listen, I, I work in yeah. positive psychology, and the same can be true about people who could take good advice to improve their well-being. So there, there's a lot of interesting psychology that probably goes into that. 
Well, and even just like people getting older and their capacity to have more variation of choice for like music tastes and stuff like that, you know? It's sure, just it's like, hard to be able to uh, have an appreciation for everything, but I think it's a good quality if you're willing well, to open yourself up. For new things, not everything, but for new things specifically. Like things sure, that are currently that. being made. Because it's easy to have an appreciation for things with like a long history of artistic culture. I think the, the gap for people is new stuff, like cartoons breaking boundaries, you know, because it's not within their worldview already. That's so interesting. Yeah. Uh, and listen, one day we'll talk more about this at length, but let's try to wrap up the plot a little bit here. Um, ultimately, Dipper catches Mabel when they make it to the uh, ocean, like at the beach area. And she finally tells the truth. Mermando falls out of the golf cart. Um, Dipper says, way to bury the lead, Mabel. And honestly, no kidding. Bury the lead? Have you heard this phrase before? I thought bury the lead meant like almost the opposite thing. I, I remember the no. quote, but I thought it was like we're used in the opposite context when people used it. Like burying the lead would have hurt would would have been like it, I thought that her burying the lead would have been her like blowing the surprise and telling him ahead of time. You know what I mean? That's the context I would have assumed it would have been used in. No stupid linguistic I, thing, but <laughs> no, I think of burying the lead more like um like never showing it. Um, or rather trying to talk about a, a bunch of other stuff first when you should have just led with this and then everything else would have made a heck of a lot more sense. Wow, I think one of my clients just uses bury the lead incorrectly all the time and I've adapted it wrong because he's stupid. That's interesting. I'm really glad um, none of them are ever going to listen to this. Well, I'll, I'll let you unpack that. Um, <laughs> right now, Mermando needs water. Uh, so... <laughs> Oh Honestly, yeah, that's this right. sequence is very funny to me because of how stupid and unnecessary it is. Oh, me um, too. R rather than putting him in the water, which is right next to them, or rather than taking a bottle of water and pouring it into his mouth, Mabel Dipper, tells Dipper he yeah. needs like CPR or reverse CPR. Uh, so he puts the water from the bottle in his mouth and gives CPR uh, to Mermando. And to be honest, I'm a little bit surprised that this one made it past the censors, knowing what we know, because there's a great scene of Mabel taking a photograph of them, like, having that mouth-to-mouth -mouth moment, which is awesome. Yeah, well, see, that's okay with Disney, because that shames homophobic, you know, that shames gay relationships, so, so they're fine with that one. Do you think that, I, I don't know if that feels like the context, no, it's no, more just a life-saving moment. That's just Lucas being combative, nobody think that that's true, please. Lucas is just being a dick. I don't actually mean that. <clears throat> yeah, I, but I, I understand roughly what you're saying. When it's meant to be a gag and they're making fun of it, then suddenly it's okay. But when they're trying to take it seriously, it's no longer okay is relatively what you mean. Okay, maybe um, Lucas isn't totally lying. I kind of do mean what I said. <laughs> Alec just now that it's been articulated in a, in a way that makes you sound less like a dick. Yeah, but it's not as funny when you say it like that, so... <laughs> right um anyway um <laughs> ultimately mabel gets her own kiss from Mermando when he gets put back in the water did you make a joke i like how you phrased that mabel gets her own kiss from Mermando after dipper's kiss obviously <laughs> sure and they do make a joke about how easy it would have been to just put him in the water um yeah oh, but but mabel also says oh and it's your first kiss too dipper like she makes a joke about that you know, um, I, I actually, I, 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 I think that's funny because I was like, when I thought that, I'd be like, honestly, if I was Mabel, I would have been upset. 
<laughs> I so would have been. A 12-year-old Lucas would have been like, I cannot believe you just kissed them before me. I'm like actually mad. <laughs> I'm going to be mad at you for, <laughs> for like a week. <laughs> Meanwhile, M- Mabel is taking a photograph, which is... Well, that's, oh, the, that's the reaction she should have. That is absolutely the appropriate reaction. Lucas is a petty, stupid person. Mabel, I, I actually, no, this is a real point. Mabel was so great this whole time. She was so nice and supportive and understanding from Armando, which is exactly how you should be when trying to approach someone in a relationship. She was like really honest in herself when she was approaching him and super confident, which is also a great way about going about things. She totally was down to help him despite the risks of her consequences. Honestly, Mabel was the hero of this story by far in this episode. Nice. Okay. Well, that makes me wonder about your character points, but I want to make sure that we at least make a point to say that Dipper got fired for all the damage by Mr. Poolcheck, who eats the whistle right in front of him. Which was such a great scene. Him literally, not just eats, but crunches the, the, the whistle to like bits in his teeth. Yeah, well, he's so mad because this entire pool area is just destroyed after Dipper having been the security guard. And not entirely his fault, but he says, I got in too deep. Um, and he's right. God, I, I, I just... Poolcheck put his trust in Dipper. Poor Poolcheck. I do feel bad. And he has to fire Wendy, too, because uh, she stole too many pool snacks. Uh, yeah, and he has to freaking <laughs> clean everything on his own now in addition to firing or finding new people to work for him. That sucks, That's dude. R- Polchek got the worst end of this whole story. That's Yeah, no, you're right. And the only real thing left to wrap up is that Mabel gets a letter from Romando uh, talking about how happy he is to be back with his family. And he keeps sending her adorable, like, messages in a bottle. Um, oh, you did remind me of one important thing that someone would probably chise me for for not mentioning because I criticized the Dipper Wendy plot so much. And that's that um, when Mabel... When Dipper's about to, like, not help Mabel put Mermando in the water or whatever, she's like, don't you understand what it's like to love someone and want to help them even though you know it's probably not going to work out? Because Mabel knows that Mermando has to go home and she can't date him. And that actually is heartbreaking, for real. Like, that is such a sad thing to go through, regardless of what age you are. Like, if you're 12, if you're freaking 52, that's sad, always, you know? And she, and she goes to lengths to help this person that she cares about, knowing that it is going to ruin any chance they ever have of being together. Yeah, and that is so unbelievably nice. And I will say, the Dipper definitely has a moment where he's like, okay. And because he has that moment, we do get a moment where Dipper does acknowledge that he does know that this is not something that he should be doing like very directly. And I do appreciate that that was one of the conclusions that came out of this episode. Nice. Uh, Well, as far as mystery plaque points, I kind of liked every single character for different reasons. And it was very hard for me to think about who I was going to give these to. Clear cut for me. I know exactly. Is it? I I didn't even have a hard time with this one, actually. Well, first of all, my boy pool check. I'm not even joking you. I'm giving him a point. Because one Polchek is a very good non-villainous antagonist side character that we get that we get emotional complexity out of, and I for some reason felt some relation to it in an emotional way watching it, so I wanted to give it to him. And uh, I just thought of a cool idea if we can get everybody who gets points on like a big, like 
drawing. You know what I mean? Okay, believe it or not, uh, Max Hatter in the Discord already has an idea. He's been asking me if I can send him the mystery plaque winners, and he wants to make a different plaque for every character that gets them, and then he'll put the number of stars on or something similar to that every time they get another point. Wow. Um, That's amazing. And thank you, uh, Max Hatter, for that. Uh, And I will get that to you soon, I promise. (laughs) Dude, we have the... I've been telling him that for two weeks. We have the best fans. We actually do. (laughs) Anyway, um, my number two, or my two points I gave to Mabel because of what I said a minute ago with her just being like, like literally like a perfect human being in this episode, which is not usually how she is, granted, but she's just really cool in a lot of ways. And I think it's really awesome to... Like, I know that it's important to have characters that have, like, complexities and are struggling and are figuring life out because it's relatable, but it's also good to have really good examples. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And I like Mabel as an example for people because it's, like, anyone wanting to be like Mabel can see them, see her in themselves and try to be that level of confident or silly or comfortable, you know, or caring or all of those positive traits that we see from her in this episode. Totally. That's, yeah, well said. Um, I am still, right now, as we say this, uh, having a tough time because there's so many characters that I would like to maybe give some credit to here. Uh, like the solitary feels... confinement kid. We all know that he needs it. No, I'm just kidding. I thought I, about dude, it. I did. I really did. <laughs> the, the hard thing for me about him and Pool Check is that when our main characters are giving us so much in this episode, it's hard for me to give it to anybody outside of the main cast. Um... See, I and actually some didn't characters... think that we got too much more other than Mabel. I thought everyone else had very standard performances. I guess, but they're all likable. There's nobody that's sure. like, I really didn't like you in this one. Like, you were lousy. Even Gideon, I thought, brought character moments. I did too. Um, yeah. But, but to me, that's why I chose Poolcheck, because he stood above the standard. Everyone else gave about what I would expect from their character in this episode. But Poolcheck... He was a side character that did, he went above and beyond what a regular side character would do in this episode. You know, man, it's a tough one for me, but I, and I, it feels boring because there was so much dynamic character stuff for me, but I have to match it. I really do. I just think yeah. that yeah. two for Mabel and one for Poolcheck feels yeah. most right because Mabel was the star. And I mean, Poolcheck was the star in his own way. He gives you what you want out of a minor character for a one-off episode. Like, more. We're not going to give so another even. chance to give it to him, probably. More so, so. even. I, I, I was um, impressed with the emotional complexity they gave him. I was very impressed. Sure. So, Lucas, let's talk about Journal 3 just briefly. I'm not going to read it this week because there is something... The next entry involves both this episode and the following one, so I want to save it until we've watched both to talk about it. Yes. Um. But did you say something about, like, an omission from Journal 3 that you feel like should be there? Yeah, because... We got a line in the episode today that I think I'd forgotten about where Mabel references the people that she dated this summer and she says the gnomes, she says the zombie, and she also says vampires. And Dipper says, I didn't know about vampires. And Mabel's like, you don't know everything about my life. That should be in Journal 3. You're right. I don't know. Yes, that should be in Journal 3. That story with Mabel dating vampires should be in Journal 3. I'm, And also it's hysterical that that happened because I feel like that was almost a nod to a no, we're not doing Twilight, go F yourself community, which is pretty funny. Um, but also I thought it was funny because just, you know, vampires and dating is a thing. Is it possible? 
is it possible that it's there but not in the space that you would expect it like maybe it's no, several I, chapters I, I, back I, I, I mean, there is a, there's all the, if the answer is, is it possible is always yes. If you're going to ask me, you could ask me literally anything and say, is it possible? And I will say yes. You should know that. Mm-hmm. But I did Google it before we recorded. And I think that there's not a mention of vampires in there. Okay. Okay. Well, that's too bad. Cause that is interesting, man. We got keeping tally of all of the things that we would like explained in gravity falls. We've got va- Mabel's dating a vampire story and yeah. Who broke into the pool shack? I'm so interested in that. Yeah. God, Dipper's I hope that kill count. I hope someone's keeping Dipper's kill count. I don't know if we've even had anything added since that episode. I think that's the problem is there just <laughs> hasn't been any movement. But let's open Journal 4. And I think that this is a very easy one. Uh, let's talk about merfolk. Uh, mermaids, yeah. mermen. Uh, the idea that there could be people who live in the water that are half human, half fish. Uh, it is a real myth. It is not the kind of thing that's just like pulled right out of like um i guess pure fiction and mythology like there's sailors who have seats who have claimed to have actually seen creatures like this right oh yeah i always assume that people claim to have seen most things in mythology <laughs> i guess i well it's interesting because i think that when you start getting into things like Greek I guess, gods. It gets more into well, that's like, like fiction, true mythos. Yeah, that's like straight fiction. I see what you're saying. Yeah, like fiction versus like creatures that people genuinely believe to exist versus right. fiction. And well, I won't go too far into that. Um, but uh, or a Cerberus is a better example, right? Because it's a beast that has never actually been seen. Like people don't say that they've seen a three-headed dog that guards the gates of hell. Yeah, um, but people say that they've seen mermaids. Yeah, that's true. But then again, people see that they've seen the devil. Yeah, I mean, look, there's a lot of things. Hey, and you take a metaphysical approach to things that are sort of like these. And I wonder, Lucas, could it be that the sailors who have seen some of these things could have like a little bit of like sea hysteria or some kind of, um, I don't know, some... I have heard of this. The scurvy um, getting out, to him. The hallucinations have been drinking seawater. <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. Like an episode of Flapjack that we reacted to on our YouTube channel. Yeah. Highly recommended. Um, you know, I uh, I really got to bend backwards to pretend like I think that there's actually a case for this one. Because I remember there was a, docu- a, a, a documentary. I'm doing little air quotes on uh i think it was the history channel and this was like the beginning of the decline of history channels validity as a source of information Mm -hmm. Um, and they did like a documentary where they were actually trying to like create claims that they were finding evidence of mermaids and like (sighs) they they animated it and they created a whole story and it was literally 100 percent fictionalized like there was literally never the the whole team that they talked about like it was none of it was real it was literally a written story but they played it like it was real and they were obscuring it and they were trying to market it like it was real because they knew they'd get ratings and there was like a big controversy that ended up actually happening with it because people were like yo you can't just like pretend like there's science being generated around mermaids this is actually messed up um, that is so interesting. The idea of just plucking something for fiction and presenting it like real evidence. Yeah, I mean, that is along the lines of I mean, fake news, right? 
I mean, that's the History Channel in a nutshell if you watch it any time now, to be honest. But the, the thing is, back then, that was a little bit of unbroken territory. So uh, there was a little bit of a moment where the History Channel's like, no, we're not going to do this again. And then they just went like hard with it, like really hard with it after that because the ratings were undoubtedly high. So then they just said, nah, screw information. We're just going to start making shit up. Um, yeah, I mean, there's also stuff on there that they may be passing off as real that isn't, but I think there's at least real people researching it who believe what they're saying. Whereas what you're talking about was like purely pulled from absolute nonsense, right? I think people would sometimes be surprised how little the people actually filming it believe in it. Yeah, I mean, that could be true. I think that reality TV in general has like, depending on what reality TV you're watching, has varying levels of truth. You want to know crazy story? Uh, yes, I do. Do you know the guy Bobo from Bigfoot Hunters? Oh, um, no. I've, I've heard of Bigfoot Hunters, and I know that it's been around a long time, but I don't yeah. know much. I don't know much either, but uh, he was the neighbor of somebody that I was friends with, kind of, that I rolled with for a little bit. Oh. And I went to his house in, in, in Northern California, and I met the guy. What? Did yeah. you get to talk to him about Bigfoot? Not really. Not, like, about Bigfoot or anything. I just kind of, like, said hi. But I met him. Okay, Isn't that cool. I, yeah, there's okay. no, so that's all. There's no extra insight. Just uh, okay. I mean, what he doesn't exactly seem like a like. I only met him. I, I was going to say more than that, but it's not like really a fair thing for me to say, having only met him for a few seconds. He doesn't seem like somebody that I would trust their opinion on Bigfoot. <laughs> Just off your very immediate first impression. Okay, well that's, that's all I'll say. I'm not trying to like slander um, well, anyone, but. No, I get you. I'm going to rate Merfolks a one. Uh, I hate, well, let me Same. do a two. I I'm going to do a two only because this isn't something that is founded off zero sightings. If there are, there's some world where people at least think that they saw something and that's usually where the point for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was probably people, a really right? human, human looking like dolphin or uh, a sailor that really sure. needs to justify some poor life decisions. Yeah, I, I reserve my ones for something that was only seen by one person who is likely lying. I'm gonna what I'm gonna literally go right past what you said. Um, and ones also for things that just don't really have sightings at all. Um, yeah, I, so I'm not giving any credit. I, I like it as a story and I like it as a cosplay and an identity for people to get into. And I hope no one's offended by me thinking that I don't, I, I would be, you know, cause like with, with a lot of stuff Alec was saying, I, I'll go with a metaphysical justification, but I can't even find that for this. Cause it's supposed to be half human and that's a material plane thing. So there's no much, there's, there's not even an argument for like, you know, like a multi-dimensional half human, half dolphin creature. You know what I mean? Absolutely true. Um, so I want to read some Apple Podcast reviews, Lucas, because we did actually get quite a few. Thank you, everybody, for delivering. Ooh, yeah. um, Zoomer the Turtle says, uh, This podcast is on the top of my list for its great analyzation of my favorite animated show of all time. Come for Grunkle Stan's hilarity, stay for Alec and Lucas's train of thought that circumnavigates the world, and yet somehow, to my amazement, always ends back at the station. To our amazement, too. And oh leave God. before the plugs. Just kidding, don't do that. Maybe Lucas will tell a joke. Ha! Ha-ha! Yeah, exactly. Don't leave before the plugs. I'll tell a joke, maybe. <laughs> also, Love Journal 4. When are you publishing it? So somebody wants to see the published journal. Wow, what a thoughtful comment. That's so nice. Yeah, CJ Burgundy, also uh, in the Discord I know, says... Oh, one of our members, falls... too. Yes, absolutely. One of our YouTube members. 
Uh, Gravity Falls brings me such a nostalgic feeling of the adventures during summer vacation with my own brother. What better way to encapsulate that feeling than listening to two brothers rewatch this? Alec and Lucas bring on two different perspectives to this show, and both are delightful to listen to, even when they don't agree. I look forward to hearing all the creatures they add to Journal 4 and eventually figuring out the puzzle that the mysterious woman is broadcasting into the show, all while rewatching one of my favorite cartoons over again with the Hester Bros. Well, uh, thank you so much for your comment, uh, CJ, but uh, a voice? I, I don't know much about that except for the plug section, which is non-canon. Um, you know what's funny? So... I actually don't know about that because I don't go into any of the editing, so my, my confusion is real. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, could, you could listen to our podcast that would be nice i'm busy i'm editing stuff okay i, I, I listen to why listen to the hirsch i listened to the hirsch one you sure did and then we have dino nugget 84 says thank you for making a great podcast i love gravity falls in your podcast keep up the great work uh so thank you to all three of you for leaving your nice comments um you know and i see some people are able to also review without leaving a comment if that's more your jam so feel free to do that as well just clicking the button makes a difference for us if you have an apple account um, yes, i know indeed. that cj cj actually went to the effort to make an apple account just to leave us a review and i just want to like shout out how awesome that is and how much i appreciate that so oh my gosh dude cj's been the best major shout out also with the membership credentials hell yeah totally all right lucas the cipher for this week once decoded translates to Vivan Las Patos de la Piscina, and I'm sorry if I butchered that horribly. It is Spanish for Long Live the Pool Ducks. <laughs> That's pretty funny. So, shout out to Seuss there and his uh, alive, like, very like, much alive ducks. Like, Viva la Revol- Revolucion. Oh, okay, I guess that is what that is going for, huh? Oh my goodness, okay, yep. Alec. <laughs> sorry! <laughs> Uh, hey everybody, this podcast is brought to you by the Brazilian Dragon Podcast Network. It has lots of other rewatches of shows and movies on their feed, plus the Dragon Babies feed where you can find us as well. Uh, and please watch us on Hester Brothers Cartoon Theater. If you are a podcast-only viewer, there's some awesome reactions for you to check out. Uh, and follow us on social media. Check out the Discord especially. That's the best place to reach us and to talk about not only Gravity Falls, but whatever cartoons you want. Thank you to... Tessa Scarborough for the cover art, and non-canonically, the mysterious woman, or the <laughs> voice of her, Anna Lafleur. Uh, we'll see you all next week. Happy sleuthing. Semi-comedic outro so that people remember Lucas is telling jokes to listen all the way to the end. Bye. Bye. <laughs>